Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back at the cartoons and movies and TV shows of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be looking at a Disney movie from 1995 called... A Goofy Movie. Like I said, this movie came out in 1995. This movie was based on the Goof Troop television series that was on the Disney Afternoon that ran from 1992 to 1993, featuring Goofy, his son Max, his neighbor Pete, Pete's son PJ, and his, uh, well, in the cartoon, or in the uh, TV show, it was... He had a daughter. <clears throat> Pete named, had a daughter had named, named Pistol. And a wife named Peg. Right. They did not. Those characters did not translate over into the movie for whatever reason, but uh, it doesn't really matter because you know, the, the the lack of those characters led to some um, interesting uh, theorizing going on about why they were gone. Of course, because you know Pete is a giant asshole, so it would only make sense that his wife and daughter would leave him. But why would the son stay? Maybe it was his weekend to watch him. I don't know. Well. In this in this movie, he is kind of an authoritarian like father figure. He's kind of a rule with an iron thumb, kind of. So yeah. that could end up having something to See, do with it. But yeah, he doesn't even need the whole fist. He just needs that iron thumb. Yeah, well, that that could get all kinds of interesting. <laughs> oh, uh, and it turns into a brown thumb. Maybe that's why him and Goofy are friends. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> Before we get any farther, <laughs> oh, maybe if I have a good bottle opener. Today, we are going to be drinking a beer from Fullerton. It's from Bootlegger's Brewery, which is actually not that far away from where we're recording this right now. No, it's pretty close. Yeah, this is their Rocco Red American Ale. And it's pretty good. Yeah. I've had it before. Yeah, 7.1% alcohol. We got a uh, we got a little bomber of it. We're using our, uh, we're using our Diablo 20th, 25th anniversary cups that we got from uh, the BlizzCon after party a couple, uh, maybe a week and a half ago. That tells you when we recorded this in Anaheim. We live close enough that we can go to the, the BlizzCon thing. We went for the party because... Uh, Hodor. Be yeah, Hodor was uh, Hodor was DJing. DJ Hodor. DJ Hodo. And uh, we uh, the tickets are insanely expensive for, for a, like a two-day convention. It's a couple hundred bucks. It's ridiculous. It's, it's more expensive than Comic-Con, I want to say. Uh, I, it might be. I don't know. But... Whatever we waited in line and we got these cool Diablo yeah so plastic got, mugs yeah we got cool <laughs> we got cool mugs so um, the the movie that we're doing today is kind of an interesting movie it's a combo film it, what I mean by that is it's multiple genres at the same time so it's a road film it's a musical and it's a comedy drama at the same time yeah and it does kind of feel like a movie that you've seen before it, it has kind of a, a formula th that you might be familiar with but. But they do it in a way that still feels not tired or played out, I, I think. One, um, one thing that I found out that was interesting about the source material, Goof Troop, 
is that was the first Disney cartoon that was that was oriented in a sitcom way. Most of their cartoons up until that point were action adventure type cartoons. Dark, Darkwing Dog, Dark Ducktales, Go- uh, Gummy Bears, right? All that stuff. It was all action adventure. This is the first one that is essentially a sitcom. You're talking about the TV show, the not TV the movie show, that we're yeah. covering today. Yeah, but I'm saying that the, the TV show, which was a sitcom, is the basis for the movie. And it just just as a little bit of history, the show itself that it was based off of was situated as a sitcom. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of forgot about that, actually. Yeah, uh, it was just the everyday things. It wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on. It was just sort of the everyday occurrences in Max and Goofy's life. Well, in this movie... The the characters kind of fast forward in time a little bit because in the show, Max is junior high and his friend PJ or Pete's son is junior high yeah. and now they're in high school. Yeah. So they're like 16, I want to say, in this show. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah they, they're, they they're go like, from they go from like 12 to 16. They're a sophomore, junior year-ish in, in high school, I think. I, yeah. I, I'm estimating. But and these are these are one of the few Disney characters that actually age. Oh, that's true because most, most of them are t- have no age. Yeah, and most they of them don't. age. And Goofy doesn't really age, but Max and PJ age. Well, and yeah, I guess you're right. They do. Uh, that, that yeah, that's really weird. I can't think of any others that do that. I think at some point Huey, Dewey, and Louie aged up a little bit. They did. Uh, they they had their own series later after Ducktales. Yeah, the Quack Pack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were a little older, but it was like uh, that. Show, I remember <laughs> from what little I remember that show's like not great. They're kind of. Um, they're they're kind of that stereotypical '90s tood yeah yeah persona. You get a lot of but, that. So this movie is done by Disney Toon Studios. They're the ones who produce this, and Disney Toon Studios is interesting. So they're actually now defunct. They're they're they've been amalgamated into other parts of Disney. But at the time, they mostly made direct to video films. They did a total of forty seven films, and the first film that they did was Ducktales the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp. I don't, did you ever see that? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So it, that movie came out after uh, DuckTales, the show, ended. It was like the year or two later. Yeah. They've done a ton of stuff. So I'll just name a few things off, mostly because the list is really long. But they did a, a bunch of Cinderella sequels. Cinderella 3 actually was, was reviewed fairly favorably. They did a Jafar, uh, Return of Jafar in 1992. They did Poo, uh, the the Pooh movie, Heffalump and Woozle, uh, or Heffalump movie, or I whatever. I can't believe they made an entire movie about Winnie the Pooh's acid trip. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're targeting to their demographic. Have you ever been yeah. on that Winnie the Pooh ride at Disneyland? Oh, yeah. My kid loves it. The whole ride is an acid trip. And all of a sudden, the... the when the Huffalumps and Woozles come out, all the color gets all weird and inverted. And I like it. It's kind of cool. And as you leave the ride, if you look up behind you, you can see the, a moose head from the old Country Bear Jamboree. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is pretty great. Country Bear Jamboree is a good thing to bring up, but we can talk about it later. Yeah. So, Tigger Movie is another one they did. They did Hunchback... You Hunch watch ba- your language. That's their word. <laughs> God. <laughs> Hunchback 2, uh, Mulan and Tarzan both had sequels. Uh, they did the movie Planes, which I'll just mention briefly because it was one of the ones that made them a ton of money. They spent about $50 million and made $239 million in box office, which so, is not so bad. So basically what you're telling me is they did all of the, they did all of the, the really the sequels that nobody asked for. So uh, That's exactly what I was going to say. I said mostly they made sequels that nobody ever asked for, that nobody ever wanted. And as an example, I will cite Atlantis, Milo's Return. I mean, I liked Atlantis. Who, who asked for a sequel to Atlantis? Maybe, maybe like nobody. 
Nobody. Maybe Stargate Atlantis. Well, <laughs> okay, I like Stargate, so screw yeah, you, Sean. I, no, uh, I was saying that. No, I, I, yeah. I know. How dare so, you? So, there was a sequel to this movie, too. Goofy Movie had a sequel done in 2000. That is called A Goofy Movie 2, An Extremely Goofy Movie. And it's actually interesting because it got a higher rating than the movie that we're reviewing today by two points. Oh. On Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> look, look out. So, so the sequel is 58 and the, the movie that we're doing today is 56%. They're how, close, but... Do you know how many reviews on Rotten Tomatoes the second one got? No. Because, I don't either. I'm just asking the question. No, because, I, I don't remember. Because, and I'll look it up while we're talking, because the uh, the Goofy movie itself only got 15 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for its, like, 56%. Well, part of that might be because of... I think part of that might have something to do with uh, the process of its release. Mm. Um, so, this movie was originally scheduled for a November of 94 release. But it didn't end up coming out until April of 95. Uh, what, hap what happened was is it had a bunch of production setbacks that, that caused it to get pushed back. And as a result, Disney actually had an opening in the release schedule. So what they ended up doing was re-releasing Lion King, which came out in June earlier in 94. They just re-released it in November. Now, Lion King is is a movie to cover on a whole other podcast. It's a great movie. Um, it, it's I will just touch that its initial box office was $763 million. I mean, that's not that much. In 1994. That's not that much. And it's now total <laughs> grossed about a billion. That's still not uh, You know, it's, it's only like Avengers or something, right? I mean, yeah. it's nothing. Uh, By the way, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for an extremely goofy movie, seven reviews. <laughs> Well, maybe that's why, you know. Three three bad and two, four good. It's just playing good it's just playing good odds. But so <laughs> I I, men I mentioned this release schedule because this movie only made about thirty five point three million and by the time it was done, Goofy Movie did. And I think some of that that pull away happened as a result of re releasing Lion King. Yeah. Had they released during the Christmas schedule? Like, uh, you know, re if they had released in November, I mean, they had toys set up and all kinds of stuff, merchandising. If they had released earlier, they probably would have done better. It, as it stands, a lot of people don't actually remember this movie. That's so weird to me because I remember it really well. I do, too. I I, I loved this movie when I was a kid, So, uh, I but I hadn't seen it in a long time. So I thought this would... That's why I think I initially put it on our list that we pulled out of the hat because... Uh, this is one of those ones where I don't know if the nostalgia goggles are still there or not, but but I wanted to find out. Yeah, I will, and, I will say that uh, that the nostalgia goggles sort of fell off a little bit for me. I, I had talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, we we can get into that later. Um, the whole the whole concept of this movie, in its original form, the the idea for this movie actually came from the CEO of Disney, Walt Disney Entertainment at the time, oh, Jeff Katzenberg. Right, you were so, talking about that. So what happened was he was feeling distant from his daughter, so they decided to go on a road trip to sort of reconnect. And that idea of going on a road trip to reconnect to your to your children or your child translated into the Goofy movie because that's the main storyline of the movie is that Goofy feels distant from Max. He feels like he's losing him. I mean, it it sort of it sort of pulls off from the TV show Goof Troop where they're sort of pals because the son's you know Max is younger he's like 11 12 years old and they're 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 pals in that and now he's a teenager and he's got all this angst and he's got all this 
rebellious attitude. So he feels like he's losing him. He's, he's pulling away. Well, I think that's a common sentiment for a lot of parents as their kids get older is you, in the beginning, you are your kid's Superman. You are their everything. Yeah. And slowly they form their own lives and they pull away and they grow up and they want to have their own thing. And, uh, you know, a part of you doesn't know what to do anymore because you went from being their entire world to having no place in it. Yeah. And so this movie is kind of interesting in that it actually touches on that. On that subject, I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of, of the, the road trip to begin with. So, yeah. But I, I wanted to mention something interesting about uh, the Disney Toon Studios because the reason why they're basically defunct is, is the Pixar merger in 2006. So Disney bought Pixar, which was kind of a gamble at the time. They weren't doing so well, and this was like a last-ditch effort really to save their, their studio. And they, they brought in Pixar, and they brought in John Lasseter, with it and he became the chief creative officer and when he came in came in he made it very clear that he did not like the Disney Toon Studios uh what he felt cheapening the value of other Disney feature films so you know all these like Cinderella 3 and Tarzan yeah. 2 I I kind of agree with him there, some of these aren't bad but they did other movies like this movie and others that planes although it's technically kind of a sequel kind of isn't and it's not a bad movie the, the, I'll have to take your word on that one. The Winnie the Pooh movies, those yeah. aren't bad. Uh, I specifically remember those being good. Yeah. And and so he essentially in 2007 just called for a cancellation of all future films in development, uh, going through production. And he basically killed all sequels by 2008. And, uh, and then like, that was it. And they're like, gone. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out. Well, the, the person who was leading it before kind of got shuffled to a different role and... But but it's and I just thought it was kind of interesting because this movie got made. Th this was like existing characters, but in an original uh, franchise, basically with Goo Troop, and then this movie. Yeah, and it, it's kind of an example, along with the the Ducktail movie, which happened to actually not do all that well in the theatrical release, but made money on the back end with the VHS. They they um, they. I think in some ways kind of forgot that, hey, you know, we can have other creative projects that aren't just sequels. Uh, we can actually make new movies? I know. Original concepts? Maybe using characters that we've already established? No. Established IPs? No. Oh no. my god. Why? Why would you do that when you just have the ability to make sequels? Because sequels are the best, right? I mean, come on. You have a built-in um, audience. Oh, don't get Sean and I started on sequels. Um, but... But we digress, digress, uh, yeah. if you will, or degress. Ooh, yeah. So w one thing I liked, one thing I, that I thought was interesting about the production of this movie is it literally happened all over the world. Oh yeah, yeah, everywhere, everywhere. So the pre-production happened in Burbank at Disney's Buena Vista Studios. The um, part of the animation happened in Paris. Yeah. Um, another part of the animation happened in Sydney, Australia, yeah. and then it went back to uh, Bur or Burbank. Buena yeah, Vista. it was all over the place. It just, yeah, it circled the globe to make this movie. Well, you know, that kind of takes us back to some of the shows that we watched before, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these shows, they're, they're, they might have cell shading done in, in one country and or filler animation done wherever and uh, principal animation done in another location. So things kind of get separated. I think that's probably what happened here. Yeah. You know, budgeting and stuff kind of... They had those production delays. I think it was mostly due to the... Uh, animation happening in Paris, I yeah. want to say, but I, I, I honestly I looked for a lot of information on that. I couldn't find that much. 
Yeah, there's um, not a whole on, lot of production. The pro- there's not not a whole lot of production notes out there. No, there there isn't. Not that that we could find. Yeah. But so this this movie has actually quite a few voice actors in it. Uh, quite oh, yeah. a few people that are worth mentioning. And and I think the first one that we should mention is Goofy because this is called a Goofy movie. Yeah. So Goofy's done by Bill Farmer, who based his voice on the original OG Goofy. Yeah, and and anybody who's our age. Or really, even a little bit older than us. If you're if you're basically forty or younger, Bill Farmer is probably the Goofy that you're most familiar with. Well, Bill Farmer began his run as Goofy in 1987. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're and if you were like ten or you know any any rememberable age in 1987 and forward, like that's probably the Goofy you think of because that's the one that's been saturating all of the all of the the media since night for the last almost thirty years. I want to say, I'm trying to remember, but I want to say that his first appearance as Goofy was in Prince and the Popper, I want to say. Uh, no, 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 that can't be right because... No, Prince and the Popper came out in like... Came out in like 91 or something. Did it? I want to yeah. say it came out way before. Er, early 90s. But, so Bill Farmer is, he's a voice actor and he does Goofy. That's and, basically what he's known for. He, yeah. He's done a couple other things, but yeah. for, the, for the most part, he is the official voice of Goofy. He's also Pluto in recent uh, in recent Disney things, and he's also Horace Horsecaller. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is. And his mentor was Dawes Butler, who is uh, the voice of Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, and Huckleberry Hound. So we can't mention Goofy without mentioning um, Pino Kolvig, the original OG Goofy. Now, this is actually kind of something that is interesting because Pino Kolvig, he kind of fell fell away from Disney, but he's famous for what's called a glottal stop. Do you know what a glottal stop is? I do not. It's that kind of <laughs> noise. Okay. Which is kind of where you get the sound for Goofy. And he did this, um, this song called Filbert the Frog way back in the day. That's a really good example of that, and I kind of want to play it, so I'm going to do that. There once was a frog, a plain little frog, who'd sit in the stream and soak. Unlike other frogs, or kittens, or dogs, this frog could sing as he'd croak. He went... Is that not the weirdest shit ever? You know what? That I have to say that that takes some pretty intense control of your vocal cords to be able to do something like that. Yeah, it's so I when I found that I had never heard of that before. He's also the voice of Bozo the Clown, the original Bozo the Clown from the radio shows and stuff, by the way. But he he does that, and I I was both impressed. And kind of freaked out by it. It's it's terrifying. Like, that's the sound that will haunt me in my nightmares later. It's weird, though, right? You know, I do remember... I do remember... We're actually kicking into a different beer now. Different Uh, beer, same brewery. Yeah, Palomino Pale Ale, which... Palomino Pale. Sean and I both love this one, so... Well, it kind of reminds me of... Goofy Sings in a couple of the older cartoons. And he does stuff where he's like... Whoa, 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 and he does that sort of like yodeling. Yeah, and it, it's sort of that same like popping where it's 
It's yeah, that, where he uses that glottal stop. Yeah, I, I think it's you can. I don't know if Bill Farmer is able to do it like like uh, like Pino was, but I can hear his at least attempt at kind of emulating that style of voice acting for Goofy. There's actually been several people who have done Goofy, and they've kind of done it a little differently. But Bill Farmer, he basically tries to emulate the original. Yeah. He does He does everything that's Goofy now. My my kid watches uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It's on Disney all the time. Yeah. And it, it's it's the, he's the one who does he's Goofy He's the official that. voice of all Disney Goofy. Of all Goofy. Yeah. Appearances. Yeah. Vocal appearances. So, with that said, we should probably also talk about Max. Max's who's, son. Who's his son. Max Goof. Max Goof. <laughs> I got so, some stuff to say about the names too in a minute. So his it's done by Jason Morrison, who we mentioned in the cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, because yeah. he was the son of Michael. Yeah, or, uh, he, the voice of Michael. He is a prolific voice actor from about the mid nineteen eighties on. Yes. Now, I mean, we'd mentioned other things that he'd done, like Howlin' from Gummy Bears, and uh, I always remember him from Rosh from Jedi Academy because I love that game. Yeah, but. One thing that some people don't know that he was uh, voice acting for was Binks in Hocus Pocus. Uh, you know what? I wrote down a couple of the movies that he had done, and that was one of them. He was the voice of the cat, the animatronic cat. Oh, no. Not just the cat. Was he... So, it's weird, because I just watched... Did, Hoc- they, did they dub over the, the actor's they voice? They did. They, <laughs> they dubbed over every... Because I just that's a, that's watched a, this. That's a David Prose right there. I feel so bad for that kid who was playing, uh, playing Binks, because he's acting, he's doing the dialogue, and they just had J- uh, Jason Marsden come in and just go right over it. You know, it's a... You know, Sort of a sidebar, but speaking of David Prost, the guy who played, uh, or Prouse, the guy that played the body of Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he knew that all of his lines were going to get dubbed over. So I guess he started saying, like, sort of whatever that sort of fit into the cadence of whatever he was supposed to say as Darth Vader. He would just make it up. Because he would read the lines. He was reading the lines, and people were reacting to what he was saying. And, and you know, later on, they, they dubbed in James Earl Jones. But he would just start saying kind of random things, or he'd change up the lines, and people would have to just react to it and say what they were supposed to. But he knew he was getting dubbed over, so he's like, fuck it. Well, yeah, because who cares? No, Luke, I am your finger. And he would just say what he wanted. And then he'd finger his butt. Well, you know, Darth, Darth Vader yeah. does what he wants. So. Some, of, some of the other stuff that Jason Martson has done, some of the more recent stuff, um, he's in the Fairly Odd Parents as one of yeah. um, as one of Timmy's friends. I can't remember, Chase or something. I don't He's in Young Justice. He's in Kim Possible. Uh, he's in one of your favorite shows, Marsupalami. Oh, that show is terrible. <laughs> uh, he's in Static Shock. That's actually probably one of the ones that I remember him the most as because he was yeah. he was his friend Gear. Yeah, who yeah. like yeah yeah I remember that one too. But he's he's also done some live action stuff. I had mentioned yeah. I mentioned before that he had done uh, Step by Step. He was like a reoccurring character. He, he was, was in Boy Meets World. Uh, I think he had like a couple episodes. He was yeah. definitely he was uh, one of the boyfriends of DJ in Full House, and he was supposed to come. I mentioned this before in the All Stars episode. He was supposed to come back and replay his same role for the new Full House like remake that's on. You know what I'm talking Fuller about? Fuller House. Yeah, whatever. I haven't seen it yet, but hey, but you, he was supposed should, to be. You on should it. watch it for for two reasons only, oh, and those two reasons are Jody Sweeten's Fuller House. Oh Jesus. Because no, she, not, no, she shows them off. I'm not. I'm creeped out now, Sean. No. I don't want to watch it. She's our age. Why are you creeped out? I had a huge crush on her when I was a kid. Well, and she got all meth or whatever she ended up doing, and she pumped out a couple kids. But she still looks good, and that's all that matters in Hollywood. 
Sadly, that's true. Yeah. yeah, talent apparently goes out the window. So just ask, just ask any of the Kardashians. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Kardashians. Yeah. Um, so PJ, the voice of PJ Pete, is done by Rob Paulson. Yep. Who's Raphael from Ninja Turtles? Pinky. And he is Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. And about a million other things. He's another one of those prolific yeah, he's, oh, actors. Oh, he's Yakko Warner. Yep. Like burp. Yeah, he so he's he did like 250 animated characters, a th- over a thousand commercials. There's a mummy animated series. Did you know that? I did actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. And apparently he's the voice of Imhotep. I had no idea. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, or no, excuse me, that's not him. That's uh, that's Jim Cummings. I oh, think. by the way, Jim Cummings plays Pete. Yeah, Jim Cummings is Pete, or Peter Pete in this one. It's <laughs> yeah. always Pete the Cat. Which, of course, is Darkwing and Tig- the newer version of Tigger and Pooh. He took over Monterey Jack when the original guy uh, uh, passed away. Same as uh, Zummy Gummy. Uh, Razul in Aladdin, a bonkers D-Bobcat. So, he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, now, Roxanne, the love interest of this, is done by a woman named Kelly Martin. Yep. And she's actually... Uh, do you know anything about her at all? No, I looked up her. I looked up her okay. uh, her IMDb, but I, you know what? I can't remember. So any I, of them off the top. Of okay, my head. so I immediately remembered her because there was this TV show that was on in late '80s, early '90s called Life Goes On, and it's actually really kind of an important TV show because it was the first time in which a person with uh, Down syndrome was uh, like a major character on a show. Okay. Uh, and the character's name in the show was Corky. I don't remember the actress' name. But Corky Romano. Yeah, I remember that. It, but he, <laughs> oh God. Uh, but Corky was uh, the guy who played it. Did a great job. I believe he was he was nominated for awards. He does a lot of great out, uh, outreach for people with disability, and and she she did some work with him too. She was on Malibu's Most Wanted. Oh, she was a she was Daphne on a pup named Scooby Doo. She was. She was on pup named Scooby Doo. Life goes on. So. Becky Thatcher. Sorry, it was Corky Corky Thatcher. Yeah. So, Polly Shore is in this movie. Got to touch on that. Yeah. And in, in his full weasel glory. Weasel. Oh. Bobby Zimarewski. Yeah, so Polly Shore is in this. And for those of you who don't know who Polly Shore is, he was kind of a thing in the early 90s. Biodome and, uh, God, in the army now and... He, he got famous Encino for... Man. He, he essentially got famous. Well, he would have been famous anyway because his family owns the comedy... The What is it? The, the what comedy is, store? The comedy store. His family owns the comedy store in, in Hollywood. And the reason that he got famous was it was an MTV. He sort of forced his way onto MTV uh, during their spring break, I want to say, in the early, early 90s, their spring break sh- uh, show. And... He did it so many times that he sort of became a recurring character, and then it got him a stint on MTV, and then he became a movie star. But basically, he always just played himself. He just played some weird, drugged-out version of himself all the time. Yeah, I don't know if that was him or if that was his character, but the two became undistinguishable. Yeah, and then it got to the point where people didn't know if it was him or not. Uh, so that's kind of what this character is. The principal in this principal is, Mazer. is played by Wallace Shawn, who we all know from The Princess Bride. Inconceivable! And he's also the T-Rex in Toy Story. He is. Yeah, he's Rex. Yeah, he's in Clueless and some other stuff. So, Bigfoot is, of course... If there's an animal in a movie and it makes a sound, there is a 99.9% chance that it is Frank Welker. So, guess who it is? It's Frank Welker. You know something about Frank Welker that I didn't know? 
Um, so Frank Welker is the voice of the Graboids in Tremors. They have a voice? That, like, the sound that they make, like, the, like, weird, inhuman noise, that, like, the roar. That's oh. the Tremors. <laughs> that, I'll have to And it's them. Frank Welker. Well, that's the thing, is that he makes any kind of animal noise or, or, like, ambient background noise. And actually, my other favorite one that he does is the Martians from Mars Attacks. <laughs> I, I love that movie and Frank Welker is the man. So yeah. one one thing that I need to that I want to bring up about um, back going back to Jason Martin is that he played Max in the movie, but he didn't sing as Max in the movie. No, they had a different person singing when it was Max. Yeah. In the they, ones where Max sang. Yeah, because yeah. Max and Goofy sing in this movie. Um, there's a character that's a uh, super pop star that sings. There's a couple of like ensemble numbers. But whenever Max is singing, it's a guy named Aaron Lohr. Uh, the studio decided, even though that even though Jason Martin is a... Uh, He's apparently a fairly good singer by on his in his own right. Yeah, they decided that they wanted a Broadway style singer to do the to do the songs in the show, and that's for, weird. For what it's worth, the singer sounds a lot like Jason Martin. So they they got a guy that at least sounds like. But the why character. would you do that? I it's mean, so I, weird. That's the that's what they've been doing the whole time. I mean, they did that with. I remember. Remember, they did that with Lion King. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was the voice. Well, they, they did got that with Jim. Remember when we yeah. were covering Jim? They did it with Jim. Yeah. So I, I guess it's fairly common. They just. But what's funny is Bill Farmer. They, I mean, I guess you can't get someone that's going to do the voice of Goofy and then sing. They were sort of in a. They were in a bind there. They had to let him sing. Yeah, I mean, with with a character's voice that's so distinct is goofy you're kind of in a pickle you don't have much of a choice yeah so. it's, like, it's like if seth mcfarlane got someone else like like he would get anyone else to sing for i know him. right but it's like if he was doing the voice of peter and they got someone else to sing the voice of sing peter? of peter it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't work sense. yeah because exactly. it's too distinct of a it's voice a distinguished, so not a distinguished voice but a distinct voice yes so the the next character we should mention her name is stacy she's the class president and she's the friend of the love interest and she is voiced by uh, Jenna Von Oy, who is six from Blossom. If you guys, if any of you who are older remember watching Blossom when you were a kid, uh, she she was like the friend. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting because in this movie, the way that she's animated, she plays like the same character. right? Well, no, she's animated to look like they almost animate her like Blossom, though. Yeah, like they have like the hat and the whole thing. And this is '95, so that look had like already started to fade. Yeah. Um, but but I just thought that was kind of a, I don't know if that was an homage, but um, but uh, yeah. So the the next character is uh, Lisa. Or uh, she's played by Julie Brown. She's a comedian producer. She starred in uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Uh, Which they are. Well, I guess, yeah. That movie had Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum in it. That was that was her decision, by the way. To have those two in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was the third guy? Because uh, there were three aliens. David Waynes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. they were. I remember that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lester, um, who is an animatronic uh, possum puppet, is played by by the director, Kevin Lima. So, yep. which is kind of cool. Now, Powerline, I got to talk about uh, Powerline because it's done by Tevin Campbell, who's a singer-songwriter, and uh, he's very famous. He's, you know, he's actually, at the time, especially in the early 90s, he'd, he'd actually done pretty well for himself. And there's a song that came out in 1993 called Can We Talk that uh, was, I think, his uh, highest uh, Billboard-charted song. And 
I had never heard of this song before, but I, I saw that and I was reading it and I decided to pull it up on YouTube and I'm sitting there on the couch as I'm looking at this and, and the music comes up and I hear my wife. She's like in the kitchen and she starts singing the song. She knows all the words for this song, all of them. She has not heard the song since it came out in 1993. Isn't that great about music? Is it you can, there are like Neil Diamond songs like that for me. How does she know the words for something that came out in 93? This is 2016. That's very weird. I don't know. I, well, at any rate, I thought that was kind of cool. So Powerline's done by Tevin Campbell, uh, which originally was supposed to be Bobby Brown. And he recorded several songs, but due to his drug issues, they actually cut him from the production. But some of those recordings ended up on a later album that he released. He did it on tour and stuff. but The um, album was called Disney Fired Me. Uh, I thought it was going to say crack is whack, but, you know, teach her own. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a waitress in this uh, that, that's in a diner done by Florence Stanley, who is Grandma Ethel from the Dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah, which is kind of cool. She's a Broadway actress. Uh, Miss Maple is played by uh, Joanne Worley, who most people know from Laugh-In, but she was also on The Wuzzles, and she's the wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, um, the... the- <laughs> The, the wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast has the most prolific kill in oh, that yeah, movie. She, yeah, she does. Where she fucking smashes Boom. the shit out of that guy. He yeah. is dead, dead, dead. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Joey Lawrence is in this movie. Whoa. Whoa. And it's play, the character that he plays is a character named Chad. He's like a little bit character. Um, is he like the is he like the um, the guy? I, I, I saw that, but I didn't know who the character was. I'm wondering if he's like the super like he's the, jock. He's character. the guy who like is kind of jockey who kind of hits on hits Roxanne, on Roxanne. I think. Yeah, hey, Roxanne. What about this party? He has like he doesn't like have a whole lot lines of lines or something. Yeah. yeah, but Joey Lawrence we should also mention from not just Blossom, but he was Oliver from Oliver and Company, so that's not for nothing. Yep. Now Another Disney movie. Mickey Mouse is in this movie, and he has maybe two lines. Does he? Does he even have two? Uh, you know Ma- what? Mickey Mouse is in this movie three times. Did you see that? Are you talking about the phone? What? No. Oh, there, there's there's uh, Easter eggs in this movie of other appearances of Mickey Mouse. There's yeah. a telephone of Mickey Mouse in here, and that's I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. So he's in this movie three times. The one time that he actually shows up is when uh, Max and Goofy are leaving for their road trip, and then he's on the side of the road hitchhiking with Donald. But he's in two other scenes in the movie. The first one was when Max is doing the concert. For the school when he's pretending to be Powerline. Oh, he was in that? He's in the crowd. It's a quick pan. It's like in... Oh, little, I didn't even see it. It's a quick pan. It's like in The Little Mermaid when uh, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy are in the the crowd as Triton comes in on the oh, seahorses. Or the okay. dolphins or whatever he's yeah. got. And then it's the same thing. He's in the crowd at the Powerline concert at the end. No shit. Yeah. I had no idea. You know what? It's really easy to put that shit in when you're animating it. It's like, oh, I'm just going to do like three cells worth of Mickey Mouse. Here's a doot, 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 doot. There he is. I guess they can if they want to. I, it was, so he was, this, this, the guy who played Mickey Mouse is Wayne Alwyn, and he was Mickey from 77 to 2009, and he had a 32-year run, and he's technically, at the moment, the longest running voice actor who's played Mickey Mouse. And his first appearance was uh, Sean's favorite Christmas movie, which is Mickey's Christmas Carol. So, now... And a bah humbug! I mean, uh, Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Scrooge. So, so there's this guy, he works at the Possum Park. 
named uh well they just it, he's just he doesn't have a name he doesn't have a name uh but he's voiced by pat buttram who's the sheriff in robin hood and this movie's actually ded- dedicated to him because he died shortly after the making of the movie and when you when you watch the movie and that part comes up you will know that he is near death and i'm not trying to make light of his condition but his character i don't know if they planned it that way or I that's think just they animated ha- him that way with the age spots well, and everything else but 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 the voice I don't know if they planned it that way with the voice and they had him like play it up. I think it was or intentional. If, or if that was just his regular voice because he's like, Well, folks, here it is. There you go. No, he's just like, Yeah, no, so, I mean, I love like that someone line. Someone needs to change the batteries in the host. Yeah, when they walk, so they walk. <laughs> so at, at, some, at this certain point, they end up uh, at this possum park. Lester's Possum Park, because <laughs> Goofy has been wanting to go to this place. He went there when he was a kid, and they get to this Lester's Possum Park. They have to walk in through this giant, sharp-toothed possum's mouth, and kids are screaming as they're drugged through the door. And so when they go in there, they sit down. It's a bunch of, like, rickety wood benches, and they're sitting with a bunch of hillbillies. And this EMC gets up there, and and he says, Lester's proud to present... Possum Posse Jamboree. Here it is. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. That's the old man. But the timing, the timing on the here it is, though, I, it's got to be intentional because it's yeah. too goddamn delicious. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, it's so well, good. you're here, so, so here it is. Here it is. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I think it's meant to be, I think it's meant to have that, that tone of like apathy. Yeah. And it's, and it's he's a, working at a theme park about fucking possums. Now, you know? let's not go crazy. It's not a theme park. It's basically, it's, it's essentially, if anyone's ever been to Disneyland, well, if you had to have gone there in a couple, couple years ago, because it's been gone for a couple years. A couple? It's been gone. Has it been I, gone for like 20? Yeah, probably close to that. Oh my God. I it, still remember it. Country Bear Jamboree was this old event that, if any of you have ever been to Disneyland it, in, in Anaheim, California, Way in the back by Splash Mountain. by Splash Mountain, there's a Winnie the Pooh ride now, which we were talking about earlier. It's a Winnie the Pooh ride and a food place. It's like a cafeteria. Well, they're kind the of thing, next to each other, but yeah, the cafe the thing turned into both of them. No, the cafeteria's always been. Oh, there. that's right. It was a Hungry Bear Cafe. Yeah. So, okay, I'm totally so wrong. As, so as you're waiting in line, so as you're waiting in line at the Winnie the Pooh ride, the entrance you actually walk by what used to be the entrance. Most people don't realize, but you kind of walk by what used to be the entrance. And it was this theater. You go in and sit down. There's a bunch of animatronic bears that would do this, like, hillbilly jamboree about... I don't know what about, but they play banjos and stuff. Yeah. And and this Lester's Possum Park, that's basically all it is, except that it's a bunch of, like, weird... They're like, like wood plywood. And, yeah, plywood cutouts. And and I, I distinctly remember this because their fingers are all made of broken nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like, yeah. bent broken nails. And the the uh, this possum, Lester the Possum, who's actually played by the director, as I mentioned earlier, pops up and he goes, Who's your favorite possum? And then they play this Lester's... Uh, Possum Park song, yeah, and and I love this song. I don't know why, but this you know is my, you want to be uh, hanging from a tree. I I love this. This scene made me laugh so much when I was a kid, and watching it again as an adult, it, I laughed pretty hard during this part. I did, and it's so stupid, and I don't even care. But but they, at the same time that they're there, they walk out. And Max is pissed that he's there, and Goofy wants to buy these souvenirs. That are possum souvenirs. They're like coonskin caps, but no. they're not. They're roadkill possums. <laughs> they are dead roadkill possums lying belly up. 
that you essentially, it's like if you cut a hole into their spine and stuck them over your head. And they're not actually hats, they're actually dead possums. Yeah, like they're dead possums that they turn into hats. You know, we're, we're talking about a lot of things that happen in the movie. Let's talk about the plot because that's sort of quintessential to Max's entire, his entire attitude towards the whole thing. So, at the beginning of the movie, Max goes to school and he has this whole thing planned because he likes this girl, Roxanne, and he wants to impress her and... He, he's, you know, your typical teenager who thinks that the, the girl doesn't notice him and he needs to do something to make her notice him. Yeah. So, he teams up with PJ and Bobby to do a sort of Powerline concert at school. It's the last day of school. That's yeah, the, it's like a lip sync that he's going to do. Yeah, so he gets them to, they do this whole, like, AV club thing where PJ is videotaping him and there's, like, smoke and graphics and he does the, they drop the screen and he does the dance to it. And he ends up tripping over himself because he's a clumsy goof. And he trips over a wire and he breaks through the screen that's, that's yeah, projecting because him. Yeah, they're way backstage. They're, yeah. behind, they're, they're behind, behind the curtain. The curtain. Yeah. So he trips and breaks through the screen. And he's like, oh shit. But then everybody cheers for him. And he's like, okay, fuck it. And he just starts dancing on stage and singing. And then his buddies hook him up. Oh man, like he, is, he is hamming it up because Roxanne's in the front row. He's hamming it up to her, and he's, like, pointing at her and trying to be all suave and, and they sexy. Get, yeah, and they hook him up to this, like, rope and the pulley system, and they, he's swinging through the rafters. Yeah. And, like, right in the middle of his big production, the principal pulls the plug on yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's about to grab Roxanne's hand. He is swinging towards her. And they all end up in trouble. They go to the principal's office, and the principal calls Goofy. At and, work. Yeah, basically at work. Which, can we just talk about what he does for a living? What, so, whatever he did in Goof Troop, we cannot remember. But in this movie, Goofy is a child photographer he, at the mall. He's like, yeah, he works at the Sears photo booth. And and not not even that, Pete is his boss. Yeah, so I don't know if Pete runs the... He's the manager of the Sears, or he's just a manager of the photo hut. But yeah, Pete is his boss. He works with Pete. At, and during this point, we also find out that Pete is terrible at his job. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a complete... He's terrible well, with children. He's Pete like is not, an asshole. Well, he's usually portrayed that way. Even in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, he's kind of portrayed that way. They, they always do like a Pete light on that, where he'll be like, he'll say something kind of mean or whatever, and then they like they kind of like oh, walk come it Come on, you goof! And then they kind of like walk it back and make him nice, sort yeah. of. But, but he's kind of a dick in this. And, uh, well, that's how he was in Goof Troop. He was a complete asshole in Goof Troop. See, I don't remember that much about Goof See, Troop. See, he was an asshole, and Goofy was just a nice guy that put up with him. He's like, whoa, Pete, you're a... Oh, come on. And, and it sort of in, translates into this. Like, Pete, throughout the entire movie, is a complete asshole to Goofy. Well, Prozac is pretty effective, so I think, you know, look at the time period. That's yeah. probably what's going on with Goofy. Um, so Goofy gets a call from the principal, and the principal lays out this, like, completely over-exaggerated explanation of what had happened. And he tells Goofy that if he doesn't do anything, he's like, I seriously question how you're parenting Max. And if you don't do something soon, then Max is going to wind up in the electric chair. Yeah, it scares the shit out of Goofy. And, and to be fair, I think Goofy's just like a little on the slow side. Uh, I mean, I think to be fair, he's a single parent. <laughs> well, that's true too. So he's freaking out, but... But he also just doesn't... He seems a little slow in the uptake. You know what I mean? Well, so the thing the thing that... Like, this is this is overanalyzation 101. The thing that... The thing that I can't... Or... The thing that I can't fault Goofy for in this is that 
he was raised a certain way and that's all he knows how to do. Like maybe if there was another parent in the picture that there would be a way to like sort of combine tactics from how they were raised. But maybe you see throughout you see throughout the uh, the sequence of where he takes. So he essentially take he decides that, that Max needs some time like he and his dad did, like Goofy and his dad did. They went on this fishing trip that brought them really close together. And so he decides this is what Max needs. He needs to go on this fishing trip with me. So he arranges to to take Max to this fishing trip. And what he doesn't realize is Max actually got a date with a girl that he likes. Yeah, well, he was sitting waiting to get chewed out by the principal. Yeah, and he and so Max is all stoked to go to this party, and he can't. So now he's stuck going on this camping trip he doesn't want to go on. Which he now, probably wouldn't have wanted to go on anyway. No, but once again on the road, if I was Max, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to continue because Goofy is the worst driver ever. He is a terrible driver. I mean, there are several points at which he... Almost kills them in the car. Yeah, he doesn't look at the road. He's got a map. He drives a um, he drives an AMC, a something AMC. I can't remember the name of the car, but it's an actual car. It, it's, it, it's it looks patch, like a, it's it looks like he's driving a gremlin. It's it's this two door hatchback, like throwback with an eight track player, and he spends half the time in the car with his feet on the steering wheel, looking at the map, completely obscuring his vision. He nearly kills them several times. Now we get this like song called "On the Open Road," and I I just wanted to mention that there's there's this weird couple on the road with this giant giant manly wife sitting in the back seat of like a convertible, and this this husband who's teeny tiny who kind of looks like Porky Pig. Yeah, but he but he's kind of whatever whatever animal race that Goofy is. But he kind of looks like this bald-headed Porky Pig. And the two of them are together, and it's a really weird matchup. In fact, <laughs> Max mentions that, like... I the remember the part in the song. The part in the song that they sang is on the road for rest and relaxation in the odd romantic episode. Then Max looks over and goes, very odd. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. That song ends with this kind of, like, song and dance number. And, and there's a dead body. Yeah. Dancing on top of a car and nobody cares. So I think the funniest part of that whole the funniest part of that whole sequence in that in that show in that song is at one point when they're singing, a bunch of trunks open up or like like a, a van opens up and things. Yeah, yeah, pop all open. these people pop out of nowhere. In one of the trunks that pops open, there's a fucking guy tied up with cement with cement around his feet. Yeah, no, the mob. The yeah, I saw that too in a fucking Disney movie. That is a guy that's about to be killed, and he's like, la 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 la. la. Yeah, he's okay. So there's a bunch of that kind of like weird stuff that I don't know if it was put in there for parents or not. So with a lot of these movies that we get now, they they're kind of more in your face, but these earlier movies are kind of more subtle. Yeah. There's a lot more subtlety, I noticed. So Goofy and Max are on this road trip. And they're stopping at all these random places that Goofy stopped with his father because he thinks that this is going to help Max and him rekindle their friendship, their relationship, their whatever-ship. Well, he does, but but he's got this roadmap set out to and get to his place that he wants to go to in, in Idaho. and Paradise Lake or something? Yeah, something like that. And, and it's in Idaho... And this is where he wants to go. Max doesn't want to go. He, Max, by the way, lied to Roxanne and told him he's going to go see the Powerline concert. See, that? that's the whole conflict. That's I said that this whole movie is essentially a romantic comedy. 
the whole thing is essentially a romantic comedy because uh, it's it, sort of because yeah. it starts it starts with a lie that affects the way a relationship is is progressing and then they eventually the lie becomes apparent to all parties involved and then everybody gets angry at each other and then there's like a reconciliation like that's the formula for romantic comedies right well and, and so he lied about where he's going and his dad doesn't know that this is where he wants to go. And what he does is he alters the map at some point yeah. later and, and essentially tries to get his dad to go there. And it, along the way that him and his dad bond through different things, activities, there's a montage song and they, you know, do things and love each other and all this nonsense. And they, like, for instance, earlier in the in the movie, they decide to go camping, and they run across Pete and his giant RV with a bowling alley on top. And a swimming and they, pool and a jacuzzi. Yeah, and all this nonsense. And they encounter Bigfoot. And this is... That that one in particular, though, that, that, that scene in particular is where Pete shows that he's a terrible fucking parent. And that he rules by intimidation and fear. Yes. Because... And that's what he tells Goofy. Like, Goofy's trying to reconnect with his kid and trying to do so in a loving manner, which is a commendable yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I wrote that down, that Goofy just seems to want to be a, a good single parent. Yeah. And, and Pete and, is an authoritarian asshole. Yeah, Pete is like, you gotta keep him under your thumb. He, like, you, at, at one point later, when Pete overhears that... Pete overhears... Because they run into each other again. Pete overhears, second time, yeah. Pete overhears Max telling PJ that he changed the map so that they're going to California instead of going to Idaho. And so he goes to tell Goofy that Max had changed the map. And Goofy doesn't want to believe him. He's like, no, he wouldn't have changed the map. I trust him. And he goes, no, you need to check the map. And he says, look, Pete, I don't know what... I don't know much about anything, but I know that my son loves me. And then Pete says, hey... My son respects me. And he's like, like that, that's what he cares about. And that exchange happens after the bonding montage. Because mm -hmm. before that, there was conflict and whatever. And the resolution was the bonding montage. And, and the encounter with the Bigfoot. The, the Bigfoot essentially... Tra Goofy and Max get trapped in their car and Bigfoot's sleeping on top of it. The Bigfoot's just kind of... He's kind of a hammy. He does a puppet show with socks and apparently likes the Bee Gees. And there's all this just weird shit... And uh, and eventually they they take off and they're fine. Yeah, that um, starts the bonding thing. And then Goofy gives Max the map, and that's what gives him the opportunity to change it. So, so he changes it, and Goofy finds out that he changes it and decides to to test his metal. And and so when he when he discovers that essentially Max is for sure gonna yeah, there's a, there's literally the a fork in the road where if he goes yeah, he's on Route 66, and if he goes north, they go to Idaho, and if he goes south, they go to California. This movie was not subtle with this at this point. He's like Max, which way do I go, north or south? North or south? And he's I like, I thought oh, it was left or right, or left or right, but, but whatever. It's north yeah. or he's like left or right, Max, left or right, and Max is like, uh, uh, and he's like left or right, come on, and he's like, and he goes left, yeah, left, and he like, and he pulls over to the side, and then they pull over, they have this argument or whatever, and when they do, the car rolls away and they chase it down. There's another montage with them arguing with each other as they're essentially trying not to die. Yeah, they, ignoring they, the fact that they're gonna die, and they right. just. <laughs> so and then they have the super sappy song. I was okay. I was gonna mention this point. So, so there's this line, and I know that this is around the point where Sean was a little bit irritated, I think, by by this movie. But I I liked it. See, I guess, I, you know what that is? Is that's the difference between someone who's not a parent and has a kid, and someone who does have a kid and has, and is a parent. Because to me, it was super saccharine, and it was just obnoxiously obnoxiously sweet 
And I was just like, oh my god, come on. I didn't remember how... I didn't remember how bad it was to me. But I could see someone with a kid, if if their kid had said something similar to them, that they would be like, oh my god, oh. Like, that hits me right in the parent field. So, I, my kid's too young to have these kind of moments, but... I mean, I, I kind of tend to get a little introspective sometimes, and while they're arguing, Max yells at him, I'm not your little boy anymore, I have my own life, and Goofy Goofy's response is, I know that, I just want to be a part of it, and then Max just gets really sad, Yeah. and then that's kind of when they solve the shit. And they and, have a song. And you know, I kind of I kind of relate to that. The, I know! When, we just want to be a part of it. So, when they originally decided to do this movie, Lima, his his goal was to show that Goofy was more than just a one-dimensional character. Yeah. And this this journey of showing Goofy as a parent, uh, and really it's like a flawed individual just trying to like do the right thing, was part of that, that that he was trying to relate to us as an audience. Yeah. And I, it, for me at least as a parent, um, I, I think about all the time about the fact that my kid, although she's little, someday... She's going to grow up, and I won't be her superhero anymore. Because reality will set in, and I'll just be a human being. And, uh, you know, kids go off, and they have their own life, and they do their own thing away from you, and that's a normal thing. But some part of you is going to have a really hard time with that adjustment. And and so, for me, I, I really like this scene. Uh, although it's a little sappy, I don't give a shit. I liked it. So... At this point, Goofy decides to help him. They go to the Powerline concert, and they break in, and... By the way, did you notice, you, you talked about the um, the odd couple. Did you notice that they were there? Oh, at the concert? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So It's Goof weird. Goofy and Max hide in, um, in instrument cases. They hide in, like, a guitar and a drum case. And the guy who throws the drum case in is the little guy from the odd couple. Yeah, so he must be like a roadie or something. Yeah, and then the the big weird lady is a singer in the band on stage. Yep. Yeah, but uh, they didn't show them together, but they were separate. Yeah, but, but they were there. Yeah, so they they sneak on stage, and well, they go through a whole bunch of weird shit that ends up putting them both on stage. Yes, because they, the lie that he told Roxanne was that he was going to the Powerline concert because his dad knew Powerline and they were going to join him on stage for the final number and they were going to dance together. So and, he had to get on stage. Yes. And so Goofy ends up on stage without Max for a few for a few minutes and Goofy doesn't know what to do. And Max tells him to do the perfect the the perfect uh, cast. cast, which was something that Goofy showed Max earlier when they were trying the to fishing fish. cast. Yeah, it's a fishing cast. Uh, it's really weird. But 10 o'clock, two o'clock, quarter to three. But it's all this like weird spins and all this uh, kicks and just weird shit. And that somehow makes him look cool on stage, and Powerline copies it, and yeah. da 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 da, everything and, is cool. And, and no security guards run on stage to tackle the shit out of Goofy. Yeah. Now keep in mind, they're in Los Angeles, and they actually live in Spoonerville, Ohio. Yeah, so it, that's on where the they map. Live. On the map, if you look at the map, it like Spoonerville is is um, essentially Columbus. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio, which is but... where my aunt lives. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, yeah, so he ends up, it turns out they live in, Spooner, in Spoonerville, quote, made-up city. And I, Well, maybe it is, I don't know. No, uh, Spoonerville is made up. It's, it's named after somebody that had worked on the show. Okay, yeah, see, yeah. it shows how little I, I've, I've never been to Ohio. We're the goof so. troop. 
Oh god. And we always get together. St- I thought it was stick together. Stick together. There you go. We're so a goof troop. So Best you know, friends forever. Their car, their car is wrecked, and Sean is drunk. And side then that's, by side, <laughs> wherever we go, come along and start the show. Report well, to the, the goof, goof troop. troop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that show. Man, <laughs> this is like flashback for me. I don't remember any of this shit until you do it right here in front of me. So <laughs> That's all off script right there. I don't that, have anything in front of me. No, no. This was like... Talk for, about your wife remembering shit from 1993. I just true. remembered a cartoon theme song from a show that I haven't seen since 1995. It's, it's okay. I still remember the Poke Raps. So, you know, I'll take some shit. I don't care. So, I mean, that's kind of... This movie ends with them up on stage and then doing the thing. They end up back home. The car's wrecked and... He admits to Ro- admits to Roxanne that he lied, but she doesn't care because, because she wants that goof dick. Well, they're si- apparently they're just sixteen and want to fuck, and that's you think really his what dick it comes has down the to. buck teeth too. I don't know, but she says that she likes his uh, his like weird uh, yuck laugh. Yeah, well, so, okay. So at the very very beginning of the movie, Max has a nightmare that he's with Roxanne. It starts off as a dream that he's with, with Roxanne, and he's like. They're walking through a field of of grain. Yeah, and or something. he transforms into he a trans- different version of himself. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he transforms essentially into Goofy, and he does that like, <laughs> and he yeah. like, and he, he's like terrified. He wakes up in a cold sweat. Yes, but it turns out she doesn't care. All this, she likes it. She wants that goof. Yeah, she wants. She wants that good, good goof dick. She wants that goof laugh all night long. So, (laughs) so that's basically how the movie ends. She wants that goof laugh between her thighs. Ah, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, that's the sound he makes at completion. Oh, (laughs) I think we know why Goofy's a single parent now. (laughs) So I can't take it anymore. He's 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 not even just a single parent. He's supposedly a widower oh is he really yeah that's how because okay it's bad enough that disney it's bad enough probably for disney that he is a single parent but can you imagine how bad it would be if he was a divorcee no he's a widower his wife died they have to kill her because yeah. it's disney they always kill a parent yeah always one or, one or both one or both or both parents are terrible so it's one or the other so but ha- this movie ends with goofy blowing up his car and then nobody and then, cares and then destroying the, the 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 porch roof of this house so i know you said that this ruined it for you but i don't care i like this movie you know i it's not that i didn't like it like i love the songs in it I, as much as as how sappy the movie is and, and the animation is good in this by the way yeah I have to say, though, I wrote down a couple things that I have to say are takeaways from this movie. The number one one is that someone had sex with Goofy. Willfully. Well, Will- maybe. Well, you would assume <laughs> that it's willfully. But it, besides the fact that Goofy has had sex, which is just mind-boggling to think about, he is literally the only Disney character that I can think of that has a direct lineage child. He has a child. Every other Disney character that I can think of has nephews and nieces, but doesn't have children. Ooh, you're right. So yeah. he has a son and no wife. And everyone else is like Huey, Dewey, and Louie or Scrooge and, Scrooge and Donald's nephews. There was a bunch of, of Mickey Mouse nephews. There were like smaller mice. There aren't really any kids. Besides Pete and PJ. But yeah. I'm talking like main Disney Yeah, I, I, I didn't think about that. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, and one of the other things that I thought about in this movie is the entirety of this movie. I, I thought about it at first in just terms of of where they where they live, the, the Spoonerville, the Columbus, Ohio, wherever it is. 
It's only dog people. Aside from the small cameo you have of Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. The very short cameo of Donald Duck. They're all goofy-esque dog people. All of them. Every single person. Yeah. And as they travel, it's still all dog people. It's a world of dog people. It's a world of dog people. Which and is fine, but it's weird. Yeah, but even in like DuckTales, there were ducks, there were dogs, there were there weren't any mice. It was really just there ducks were and beagles. Dogs. Yeah, ducks yeah. and dogs. Yeah, and I just thought it was weird that the entirety of this of the show was not showcasing any other kind of species that is in the Disney wheelhouse. See, I I just imagined that that this somehow took place in the same world as DuckTales. Like mentally, I pictured that this takes place in the same world as DuckTales. And that, because the way that they draw the citizens remind me a lot of the Beagle Boys. Mm -hmm. So, I just imagine that this happens in the same world, and that there are just, there are cities that are like Duckburg. But Duckburg had dogs in it, though. That's the thing. There weren't that many, though. But but that's the thing, though, is as they travel, it's still all just dogs. Well, that's true. I mean, it could have just been lazy animation. I don't know. But the the other thing about the dogs, though, is so Powerline, right? Powerline is an amalgam, and they've they've admitted this as much. Powerline is an amalgam of Prince and Michael Jackson. They just sort of smashed them together and created this character Powerline. And there's a little MC Hammer in there too. Yeah, and Devo with his outfit. Yeah, but but did you notice that Powerline is the only the only dark skinned dog person? Yeah, I noticed that the I I used to notice that in '95. He is a black Not, goofy. He yeah. is a brown skinned goofy. Yeah, there are no there are no goofs of color. Yes, you will. GOCs or GO yeah, yeah GOCs. GOCs. Yeah, yeah, there are which, no, which there are is no weird. Color. It's weird, except I don't, for Powerline. Yeah, I think it's really weird. And you know what? Good for them because he's, he's the most popular singer in the entire country. Yeah, but I mean, it was, still would have been it just better animation wise if they had just had a few others that were not all exactly the same like weird color. Yeah. But so I mean, at the end of the day, did you enjoy this? I did actually. You know what? There was a lot of there was a lot of nostalgia for me because I did like I did watch this movie. I watched Goop Troop. Okay. I watched this movie when I was younger. I've watched it a couple times. Um, I did like it. The, the couple saccharine parts, it's just part of my aversion to, like, really awkward scenes. And to me, like, the saccharine parts are really awkward. I just wanted to look away. Sean doesn't like feels. I, I don't mind feels. I just don't like feeling awkward. And the saccharine parts made me feel awkward. There were some decent, like, awkward feels in this movie. So, uh, yeah. you know. The thing about it, though, the thing about it is I liked it, but objectively, it's super painfully 90s yeah even the intro the the intro no no i i don't even mean like the intro i mean the title screen it's like a movie and then a goofy movie yeah the goofy comes in goes yeah Yeah. and like the the dress i mean i'm talking like the type and everything it's just it's it's such like a it's like a nineties time capsule. I I mean it's funny. It's like going back and watching uh Gem. Well no, I was, yeah, I was gonna say, but like from nineties, it's like going back and watching Saved by the Bell. It, yeah. Like, it's a nineties yeah. just trip. Urgh. And you've got Polly Shore, and you've got like the girl that looks like Blossom, and you've got you've got Roxanne wearing her uh wearing her jean short like Capris? No, they're not capris. What are they called? Cabana pants? Oh, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the tight knee-length jean shorts, essentially. Yes, yes. You've got... By the way, have you noticed, did you notice that the only people in the show that wore gloves were Goofy, Max, 
PJ, Bobby, and Pete. Nobody else wore gloves. Weird. Right? Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. But it's weird. But now that I think about it, you're right. Yeah. No, and, well, and Mickey Mouse that they showed. But well, yeah. yeah. And one thing I one thing I want to point out is I don't know if anybody out there has watched the sequel, an extremely goofy movie, but apparently this all this bullshit that happened between Max and uh, Roxanne didn't matter because he's not with her in the sequel. Well, okay, let's be honest. When you are you currently going to marry the person that you dated in high school? No. I want to say though, while we're talking about Roxanne, I don't appreciate. And Disney's done this a couple times to me. I will admit freely on the wave on the airwaves here. Disney has made me feel a little bit uncomfortable with the uh, the way that I the the way that I feel about their sexualized animal people. Because there's a couple times, like like in The Lion King, when Nala gives Simba the like bedroom eyes, and you're like, whoa, what are these feelings that I'm feeling in my 12-year-old body? I think we just need to get Sean a weeboo pillow. No, 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 no. <laughs> so like, there are, there are definitely some times in this movie where Roxanne does these like these like super sexualized like bedroom eyes towards Max, and I'm like, what, what am I supposed to be feeling here? This is well, uh, they're trying they're trying to communicate that she is an attractive option for him, which is why they draw. So they draw her nose very subdued. She's like she's like a normal person without ears, but yeah. she has like a little bit of a well. Dog and nose. there's another there's another female character, the Valley Girl character, that they draw very briefly that you see once or twice. Oh, and she's like she looks like she's 35 with like giant boobs and like a uh, blonde like teased yeah, hair. Yeah, you know kind what? Of. I do not like Disney making me question my sexual preference. I like uh, girls uh, for not... cartoons. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like. I don't like animated animals. I don't like. I don't like the potential of being a furry. It's all right, Sean. Just admit your love. It's fine. No, you've been hell. No, no. Admit your love. It's okay. No, love, love is. So, so outside of your of your love for Yif, do you want do you want to just say whether whether or not you would watch this again? I would definitely watch it again. And if you are a Disney fan, I would recommend this movie because it it has one of Disney's. I want to say Disney's. I would say big three. Mickey, Donald, Goofy? I would say that they're the big three. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I, I So I grew up watching this movie. I love this movie. I lost no nostalgia goggles. I love this movie still. Didn't change anything for me at all. Uh, my kid took some coaxing to get her to watch some. I thought you said your kid took some coke and then started watching it. Oh, well, you know, that would be interesting to give coke to a, to a three-year-old. But, uh, but <laughs> Did uh, she like it? She liked it, right? Well, you know, here's the thing. I, I couldn't get her to ever sit down to watch a whole thing because... What the she just wants to watch the trolls movie, and 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 Kubo and the Two Strings, which is fine. Actually, I like that movie. You know, both of those movies aren't bad. I know you haven't seen Trolls, but both of them aren't bad. And so all she wants to do is like watch those and and still fucking Rockadoodle. And so, <laughs> so so day. I watched Rockadoodle in the last two weeks. I don't know, maybe twice. And the sun is shining brightly. Yeah, I you know. She liked what she saw, and what I showed her were were the uh, music videos and and a couple of different scenes. I will say, but the, I, the, I, she's Kevin, just... the Kevin Campbell songs are worth watching. This movie, the Eye to Eye and the um, uh, Stand Back, those songs are fucking good. Stand up, I thought. Stand, stand, stand up, stand back. Yeah, I think it's stand up. Yeah, no, the, I the like two that Kevin song. Campbell songs. I like that song. No, he's great. He's yeah. great. 
So, you know, if you have kids at home, if you don't have kids at home, I would actually recommend this movie just either go, way. Just go gather some kids from the neighborhood and say, I'm going to watch a movie at my house. Hand out some... I mean, if you've got if you've got a kid around who's under the age of 10, uh, this might still be a movie that they might enjoy. And you could relive some nostalgia, too, if you probably watched this when you were younger. And if you didn't, it will still be a time capsule for you. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, if you were born in the 90s, come watch what it was like to be existent in the 90s. Yeah. Now... I, I think, uh, as far as this episode, that'll do it. Next week, we're doing Ferngully, right? Oh, Ferngully and special guest star. Yeah, actually, Joy, my, my wife, said that she might join us for this, too. So. Nice! We'll have a four-way... Oh, wait. Yeah. We'll have a four-way conversation. Yeah, that'll be weird. But but that's, but we're actually going to get convince both of our, our significant others to participate. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk to us, you can always email us at uh, childhoodremastered at gmail.com. You can always follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Send us a tweet. Do whatever people on Twitter do. We're on Twitter at Remastered Cast. Remastered Cast. You can check us out on Facebook, Childhood Remastered. Yeah. Facebook.com yeah. slash Childhood Remastered. Yeah. Yeah. Easy yeah. peasy. Yeah. I, th- I, I know that I, I tend to respond to that one pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you liked our theme music at the beginning, you can always check out. The guy who made it for us, his name is John Howarth. He is on SoundCloud. You can search for him there. He, we, we should have a link to him on our website. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and uh, childhoodremaster.com. Childhoodremaster.com. And let us know what you think. Uh, comments, comment or comments, criticisms. Well, fuck the criticisms. Concerns. Yeah, concerns. Leave your complaints. If at you home. want to, uh, if you want to suggest a show that we there's, it's not like there's any lack or any like dearth of shows. We there's so many shows out there that we can do. Yeah, but I know if you have one that you want us to do. We have a few requests already that I think we may try and slip into our schedule somewhere, and and we'll kind of see how that goes. Yeah, but but next week we'll be Fern Gully. So Fern Gully, man, it's like if Captain Planet had a movie. Yeah, oh, bring me that toxic love, Sean. <laughs> ah, 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 toxic love. Yeah, I can't wait for Fern Gully. So it'll be fun. Uh. It's been it's it's been fun today. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's been good. Um, so until next time, I hope you've enjoyed uh, your time with us here. And until next time, this is Sean and Chris, and this has been your childhood remastered. We will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>